Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. I'm Colin Ellis, and you're listening to On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. Today we're looking at two docs that try to make the case for why you should switch to a plant-based diet. I'm talking about The Game Changers and What the Health. Both are available on Netflix and argue, somewhat persuasively, that the key to a healthier lifestyle is to stop eating meat entirely. But as our guest Timothy Caulfield explains, documentaries like this aren't as credible as they appear. What a lot of these documentaries do, and something I'm really interested in, we've actually studied this at our institute, is then they incorporate what I call the science right? They they, they sound legitimate, they sound very credible, uh, they sound very convincing because they they weave in all this sciencey language and people in, in white coats and they throw up a study and they use stats and they have all these laboratory experiments. So that it makes it seem more credible. You may recognize Timothy Caulfield from his docu-reality series, A User's Guide to Cheating Death. He's a Canada Research Chair in Health, Law, and Policy at the University of Alberta and the author of The Science of Celebrity, or Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? Caulfield and I get into the popularity and persuasiveness of health docs, what the game changers and what the health get right and wrong about eating healthy, and how important it is for scientists to be good communicators. Stay with us. Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me on. Well, I want to ask you uh, your opinion on food and health documentaries. I mean, how popular are they right now, would you say? They're, they seem like they've become incredibly popular. And in fact, uh, you get the sense they are amongst the most popular docs on on platforms like like Netflix. And and they really seem to resonate with with the public. You know, they kind of take off. And of course, I've got a little bit of a biased view here because this is my universe. So maybe <laughs> it, it seems that way to me. But they certainly seem to have an impact on the public discussion. Why are they so persuasive? Um, well, there's some really interesting research around this, actually, uh, around the power of, of documentaries to both to stimulate discussion, but actually to to change minds. And, and so people have actually done research exploring uh, the impact they've done in the context of climate change and things like that. And um, it really can have an impact on, on how people think about a topic. And I think a couple things are going on on here. Uh, first of all, it's it's just the power of the narrative, right? I mean, you know this, you know, you work, <laughs> you work in this industry. Uh, the power of the narrative really does have uh, an impact on, on communicating it and, and even in, for controversial topics. In fact, there's been some really interesting studies that have found that, you know, an anecdote, a narrative, and we can come back to this, uh, can overwhelm our scientific thinking. So they've actually studied that. Yeah. So if you have a powerful testimonial, powerful narrative, it can overwhelm our, our thinking. And that's one of the ways, one of the reasons why you see the use of testimonials and anecdotes in the marketing of unproven therapies. It's like the go-to marketing strategy, right? And that's one of the reasons that they do it. Um, but the narrative can also be used to, you know, to push an agenda, to push a bigger a picture. Um, and I think that that's what's happening with 
with these documentaries. You know, they have this really compelling story that they want to tell and they use a narrative uh, to sell that story, which I totally get. And and I think narratives can be very, very constructive. I'm not I'm not down uh, coming down on narratives and I'll come back sure. to that. Uh, but the other thing that's going on, um, and, I, and I think this is really relevant to uh, today, to sort of uh, sort of broader currents in our society right now, is there's a lot of fear mongering also. You know, they mm. they uh, these documentaries scare people, right? You know, they 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 scare people into thinking that they're doing something wrong, that there's these nefarious undercurrents out there, uh, that there's these conspiracies that are trying to harm you or trying to hide information. And and again, research tells us that that strategy works well. You know, in fact, we're wired to to uh, we have a negativity bias to to see the negative, right? To be concerned. That makes sense from an evolutionary perspective, right? So mm-hmm. um, that's a, so you, you marry the narrative uh, with with fear mongering, and and there's one more element if, if you don't mind, I like to highlight. Yeah, of course, sure. Uh, uh, is is what what a lot of these documentaries do, and something I'm really interested in. We've actually studied this at our institute. Is then they incorporate what I call the sciency, right? They 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 sound legitimate. They sound very credible. Uh, they f- sound very convincing because they they weave in all this sciency language and people in in white coats and they throw up a study and they use stats and they have all these laboratory experiments. So that it makes it seem more credible, right? And again, research backs this up, right? If you use this kind of sciency language, it things seem more credible. And that's why you see shampoo bottles with like the double helix on it, or <laughs> you know, you see that kind of sciency strat. I call it science exploitation. Uh, you see that used <laughs> all the time. Well, and they're more accessible too, right? I mean, I don't think most people are going to read like a medical journal, uh, but with a with a documentary, I mean, it's like you said, it's on Netflix and. Obviously, they have an algorithm that sort of programs it so that, you know, if you watch one, you'll probably be interested in this one. I guess I can understand why they've caught on more than, say, uh, someone reading, I guess, science journals, per se. You're right. And and I think that that's something that we we need to learn from, you know, that these are uh, both sciencey feeling, but still accessible. And, And I think that science communicators around the world, and I think we're starting to see this change here. We're seeing even around, you know, the pandemic, the crisis that's happening right now. Um, we we need to be, become better communicators, and, and and we can come back come back to this, Colin. But I, I think that we need to learn from these strategies to get across the good science, because you know the people that are pushing the bunk are using narratives, they're using fear mongering, they're using creative communication strategies to get across their message, and I think that the you know the real science community needs to do more of that. Well, we're going to talk about two docs in particular, What the Health and the Game Changers. But before I ask you about them, uh, something that you already mentioned is just the, the, the power of narrative. And I think with both these docs, there's like a very strong point of view and there's not really much uh, given to the other side of the, I guess, the discussion. And I wonder if you think if it's a documentary's job, should they be more fair and balanced? Or do you think it's OK, I guess, for a doc to sort of just take one point of view? That's a great question because I think it depends on what is meant by my balance. Because one of the concerns that happens uh, broadly in pop culture is, you know, false balance. So right. they, you, you'll see this, we you know, often with the anti-vax debate. They'll say, on the one hand, um, there is the science that tells us that vaccines are safe 
and and effective. On the other hand, there's this other perspective that they cause autism. That's false balance, right? That's that is not how the science should be represented. You you want to use the weight of evidence perspective. And if you look at the weight of evidence using that example, there is a mountain of good independent research that vaccines are effective uh, and are save millions of lives every year. And there's almost no evidence on the other side, right? That's the weight of evidence perspective. And I th- and I think that the docs should do that. They should try to um, represent the science fairly, you know, um, use that weight of, of evidence uh, perspective. And I think they should engage controversies on the other side, conspiracies on the other side, perspectives on the other side, but not in a way that suggests that there's these two equal scientific camps battling it out when that's almost never the, never the situation. The, the other thing that needs to happen, I think this is really relevant to our discussion today, is that I think that we need to talk about scientific uncertainty. And what often happens is the people that are pushing a particular agenda will speak as if there is this clarity and if this definitive science on their side, and you certainly see that in the two docs we're going to talk about today, (laughs) it makes it sound like the science is clear when in fact it almost always isn't. And that's really frustrating. That makes it hard for science communicators because they, they, the response is not something definitive on the other side. No, you're wrong. This is actually what the science says. It's often, well, in fact, we don't know. It's uncertain. It's hard to research this area well. And, and that that message often doesn't counter that definitive message that you're, you see in docs about, oh, the science is certain when in fact it's not. Right. Well, let's talk about what the health first the diabetes, the arthritis, the heart disease, the dementia, the obesity, the cancers are affecting about 70% of deaths. We have an epidemic cascade of debilitating disease that's overcoming the country. 18% of children are morbidly obese right now. We're on par to have one in three people be diabetic in the next 25 years. That's crazy statistics. We have this very dangerous situation. Just give us a synopsis of what this film is about. Uh, well, what the health is is uh, is interesting because it's a kind of a mashup of uh, conspiracy theories around the food industry. Um, <laughs> it's it's a mashup of you know uh, of sort of evil industry in general, <laughs> um, and and even big pharma. Um, and but the core message is uh, uh, that we should all be on a plant based diet. And if we went on a plant based diet, um, you know, we'd have all these huge huge benefits. Now, before we go, <laughs> I want to emphasize, <laughs> I really want to emphasize that I think we all need to eat more plants. You know, we do need to eat more fruits and vegetables. You know, they have evidence, the body of evidence that we have out there is pretty, pretty darn convincing that, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables is a really good idea. And the other thing I want to emphasize is, you know, you can eat healthy on a plant-based diet, eat on a vegan diet, you know, so I'm not, I am certainly not saying that those things are, aren't true. In fact, I, I live in a house, you know, I've got, I've got kids in my house that are vegetarians. <laughs> and the <laughs> other point I want to make is uh, around animal welfare. You know, I think that that is a really, uh, th- those are, I, I sympathize greatly with, with that message, that message um, and, and the concerns there. But those things are not a justification for spinning the science. And, and what you have here is this, this story in what the health, um, that basically eating meat is the, the root of all, all of these diseases. 
Yeah, and it's told from one, uh, the director's point of view. Uh, the, is it Kip Anderson? Did I get the last name correct? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, and he's, you know, it's it's sort of this, Michael Moore, I think, was the first to do this, where he'll, he'll you'll see him kind of go on this journey of, of discovery, I guess. And uh, what struck me is there's a lot of claims made in the doc. One of them was that eating one egg a day is the equivalent of having five cigarettes a day. I wonder what you made of that. I never really thought about eggs much. I just thought of them as a standard part of a healthy diet. But then I found a study suggesting that eating just one egg a day can be as bad as smoking five cigarettes per day for life expectancy. Yeah, that's right. And I think that that's a really, you know, a really good example. And the milk one's another good example that we can, that we can come back to. Um, you know, there was a headline from the, that I actually use this example a lot myself, <laughs> how, to spin, how to spin science poorly. Um, uh, there was this idea that eggs are as bad as cigarettes, right? And, um, that's just not true. The evidence just does not back that up. In fact, the more recent research suggests that, you know, eating eggs is, is not associated with an increased risk for a variety uh, of diseases. But I think right now is a good idea, a good time to pause because this is a a good theme that cuts through both these documentaries. Uh, One of the problems is that doing nutrition research is hard, right? It's hard. Mm. And, and this goes to the point I was making before about uncertainty. And, and people are, I, I know people in the public are probably frustrated, you know, eggs are bad for you, eggs are good for you. Also now eggs are bad for you again. Milk is good for you, milk is bad for you. Now we're not so sure. The problem is doing nutrition research is really, really difficult. Uh, much of the, what we hear about in the popular press is based on what's called observational studies. So what they do is they follow, you know, 100,000 people in these big cohort studies for, you know, say even two decades, they'll do it or 10 years. And then what they do is just do is they do a correlation between what diseases happen and, and what did they eat? Well, first of all, correlation is not causation. That's a, a really challenging issue in this area. Just because someone doesn't eat a lot of eggs and they didn't get heart disease did not necessarily mean that not eating eggs caused that. They're simply correlated, right? Maybe not eating eggs is correlated with some other behavior like like running or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to remember. Uh, It's also important to remember you can't, we can't do good clinical trials. Like we can't have a clinical trial where we we have a group of people just eating eggs and other people not eating eggs and we follow them for years. I mean, we just can't do that. It's we can't, financially, we can't do it. So that, that's, that's another, another challenge uh, with this kind of research. So whenever you hear a nutrition study, remember that it's hard to research this well and we don't actually have a lot of certainty. And this egg thing is a really good, you know, really good example of that, they make it sound like it's definitive, right? And it's the same thing with milk, right? That milk causes cancer. Well, something that I think you mentioned earlier on, you, you described it as like sciency. And when I was watching it, the thing that I noticed is it just overwhelms you with, you know, quote unquote science, right? Like there's these stats and then you have one talking head interview with an, with one expert followed by another. And it's like, you can't even keep track of like what's being, t- what's really talked about. It's like one minute, it's like we're talking about saturated fats. And then the, the next it's about, uh, yeah, like eggs being eggs being as, as serious as, as cigarettes, and I don't know. I just feel like as as someone who's not scientifically literate, I would I would find myself getting kind of confused and being like, "Well, this seems to make sense," but it's I, I don't know. I, I wonder what you think of that kind of approach to uh, at least on the filmmaking side. I don't know if not a filmmaker, but like you you have some experience uh, because of your, your doc series. Uh, what you think of that approach? 
it, it is it is overwhelming, right? And and I think it is a, a, a tactic, right? We're just going to flood people with this data that makes it seem like it's this is the facts. And I thought I found the same thing, and also with uh, the game changer, right? I've the same kind of uh, same kind of uh, approach. Um, and again, what they're doing is they're also cherry picking. Um, what you have, especially in an area like nutrition, um, you have to look at the body of evidence. It's so so important uh, because because of the limitations I just described, right? So you can they can pull out a study. You could go right now on your computer and you could find a study that says that eggs are bad. You could find a study that says that meat is bad. But what you need to do is look at the body of evidence, you know, and so you look at systematic reviews, you look at good meta analysis on these topics. And what do they say? In other words, these are the studies that sort of draw all the evidence together and and present what the overall evidence says. And at a minimum, it's not as certain, it's not as clear as they're presenting here. And, and, and really, for a lot of the things we're talking about, they are being a little bit deceptive, more than a little bit deceptive of what the a- actual evidence says. Is there anything the film gets right in your view? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you can tell I'm I'm just frustrated with the whole the whole um, approach that that both these films take because you know we live in this era of misinformation. So I find I find it's difficult for me to get over that. You know, we live in this era of misinformation, and these kind of docs just add to the noise out there. They add to this chaotic information environment, and. I find that really, really problematic. So it's hard for me to get over that, right? And just say, okay, well, they get this right. So what What do I think they get right? I, I you know, touched at the, at the beginning. I, I do think we need to eat more fruits and vegetables. I do think we need to think about what goes in our, in our, in our mouths. And, and I do think we need to, to worry about animal welfare. But how those messages are represented is, is very frustrating. What about the connections between the food industry and health groups like the American Heart Association and American Diabetes Association? Is that something, I, honestly, I didn't know anything about? Is there any truth to that? That's a good point, and I'm glad you brought that up. So this is another thing that makes debunking a, 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 document, a documentary like this difficult, because there is truth to that. Right. There is truth. You know, in, in, in Canada, for example, with our first uh, the food guide, not the most recent one, the one before it, there was great concern about the impact of industry on the crafting of the messaging, the framing of the, of, of the messaging. And there is evidence that involvement of industry in pharmaceutical guidelines, uh, in, in food guidelines, can have an impact. And there's actual empirical evidence to back that up. So if you say, you know, that if you try to debunk this thing, people can point to those those studies and, and the, that reality to say, well, this is why we shouldn't trust what you're saying and why we should trust this documentary. The problem is it's not a, it's not a conspiracy as it's portrayed in the documentary. Right. So they take that grain of truth. It's a little bit more than a grain of truth, unfortunately. <laughs> and they expand it right to make it sound like it's this broad conspiracy to support their their claims and that's that's not fair but but what it this is another thing you might want to put what they get right or i don't know if we we call this what they get right but it's what it it should remind us of the value of, of good independent science and the importance of good independent science and the adverse impact of conflicts of interest on public trust well, let's talk about the game changers because that's the other uh, doc. That's also both of these are on Netflix. I should point out. When I made the transition, I wasn't sure if I was going to survive. What we eat has a major impact on our health in every way we can measure. 
To think that these elite fighting machines were eating mainly plants went against everything I'd been taught about nutrition. There is no one that can relate to that better than I do because I've lived in that world. What's that one about? So that one, again, about eating a plant-based diet. This is a big theme. <laughs> that's, the, that's the overall overall theme uh, of, of the game changer. But what I find really fascinating about this one is it, it really builds on, I wonder if you agree with me, you just watched it, really builds on that, the anecdote, the narrative the, uh, part of the equation, right? right. Um, it, the, the, uh, the, the host, you know, the person who's telling the story, he has a narrative, right? That, that he, he, you see it right at the beginning of the show, you know, he, he's this um, uh, really athletic guy. He was like a, um, uh, what, he was this, what, he was like a security guy or something. I can't remember. Exactly. Yeah, I think he's, well, he, he trains, uh, he trains people, like he trains, like, um, I think he's training anti-poaching uh folks in uh in africa he seems to be talking to a lot of athletes yeah yeah he he has his narrative right he has his narrative where he gets injured right and he and as a result of his injury and he wants to get back into shape he starts doing his own research and and we go on this this journey with him and he starts talking so and what it really is is it's almost anecdote after anecdote after anecdote he talks to these athletes as like a weightlifter as a cyclist um and they all talk about how eating a plant-based diet transformed their lives, right? Um, so here you really have these. These are anecdotes, right? These are. This is not evidence. We have no idea if if uh, the change to the diet really made made this dramatic improvement on them. But but the other thing it, it talks uh, I, I, a good example of is the power of like a celebrity endorsement, right? When you have someone who's very very successful. And they're claiming that something that they're doing um, resulted in their success. That becomes even more persuasive. You know, Tom Brady does this all the time. You know, I'm a big Patriots fan, so I like right, to use right, Tom yes, Brady as, as an example. Uh, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So if he says he does <laughs> this, uh, it must work. No, it's still just an anecdote. Just because it's coming from him does not make that good. Does not make that good evidence. Both these films actually have celebrity uh, backers, like Joaquin Phoenix produced What the Health, and this, uh, The Game Changers, is produced by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's in the film, and Jackie Chan. And I, I know what you mean by that, like the, the celebrity endorsement. You think, well, these guys are behind it, so it's got to have some credibility, right? That's right. And and again, there's evidence to back that up because a lot of people say, oh. Uh, just because the celebrity doesn't influence me, you know, I can see through that. No, there's really good, interesting research that shows that, that you know, that does ha- heighten the persuasive force force of it, if only because of their megaphone, right? You know, Jokovic mm-hmm. also, you know, he has, he's a tennis player, right? And he, he, ha- he has a plant-based diet and it's gluten-free and he talks about how this has, you know, transformed his life. That matters. That has a huge impact. There was a really interesting study uh, done out of University of Victoria that found that you know, a huge percentage of Olympic athletes are gluten-free because they think it improves their their athletic performance. No evidence to support that hmm. at all, right? But that's a really becomes a really persuasive message that this is what you have to do in order to be the best at something. Do you think it's wrong if people take away the the message they take away is if I eat a plant based diet, uh, it'll be better for my health. It might even improve my you know, my, my physical performance. Cause that's sort of the, the other thing. That's the other angle this movie takes is that it's not only good for your, uh, good for you. It's also like going to make you, I guess, stronger. I think, uh, was, mm-hmm. 
the body, not the bodybuilder, but the, what's the strongest man's name again? I forgot his name, but he's, uh, I think he's, he's using the plant-based diet to sort of, I guess, get bigger. I stopped eating meat in 2005. Up to that time, I was 105 kilo, and now I'm 130 kilos. Also, at the same time, I set like four world records. So when I stopped eating meat, I got stronger and bigger. Is that a bad takeaway to come to, to have when you watch this movie? I, I think it's problematic for sure because it is using a misrepresentation of science to to make uh, sort of a, a, a almost a political point to support an agenda. And I think, as I said at the beginning, in this era of misinformation, in this era of twisted science, uh, we can't we can't allow that to happen. You know, we need to represent science accurately because it, it invites magical thinking. It's, it, it invites us to not think critically about what the science actually says. Um, we want to base our decisions on good evidence. And the other thing is, I think it just confuses how to eat, how to live a healthy lifestyle. It, it, it makes it sound like you have to do all these difficult things and you have to have this magical diet when that's just not the case, right? And, and the more complicated a healthy lifestyle is the more you know complicated it's represented the less likely we are are to do it i can speak from experience because i i have been eating vegan meals within the last year or so uh i still eat meat on, on occasion but i do try to eat as vegan as much as possible and i'm doing it partly because i just i just don't like the idea that animals are, are suffering uh, that's actually not something that really comes across in either film uh as much but uh which i thought was kind of interesting but I guess when you watch a film like this, when you watch a films like films like these, like, what advice would you have for people like going forward? Should they do more research? Like, what should they do when they see uh, either either what the health or ga- or game changers? You know, I, I think that the good news is there's, there's a lot of really good science communicators out there now, and uh, I, I would invite people to look at at a science critique of the films when they see something like this. Um, I would also ask people to always remind themselves, what's the body of evidence around? Well, they've shown me this one study, but what's the body of evidence on this topic? And always, always remind yourself when it's a topic about human biology, it's almost for sure going to be more complicated <laughs> than it's represented. <laughs> it's, the science is going, to be, is going to be more uncertain. So go to, go to trusted sort of scientific uh, voices that aggregate the science and represent what the the body of evidence actually is. And the other thing I would remind yourself is when you're talking about living a healthy lifestyle, um, we know what you need to do. You don't smoke, you exercise. That just means move, do what you want. You eat a healthy diet. And this sounds like an oversimplification, but it's not. We know it's lots of fruits and vegetables, healthy proteins, whole grains. There really is no magic. If you look at all the long-term diets, uh, all the long-term studies, the, you know, the evidence in the aggregate, that's, that's what it is. You know, you get a good night's sleep, uh, you get vaccinated, wear your seatbelt, and you surround yourself with people that you love. There really is no magic. And I know people are always searching for some kind of magical answer, but there isn't. And you should always remind yourself of that when you see shows like, like these ones. Just a quick programming note. In our conversation about the Game Changers, we forgot to mention that it does include the disclaimer, this film has been endorsed and or accredited by numerous medical and military organizations. However, its content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider before making significant lifestyle changes or starting or modifying any treatment. And now back to my conversation with Timothy Caulfield. We we have a few minutes left. I want to ask you about your series, A User's Guide to Cheating Death. What's that about? Uh, so this was a uh, a doc that we did with uh, Peacock Alley Entertainment in in Toronto, uh, and you know it, it we really did try to tackle these topics using a science uh, informed perspective, and you know I tried to go on a little bit of a journey again using a narrative uh, in each one of the episodes. Uh, we try to use a body of of evidence approach um, for each episode. Uh, we do try to listen to, the, to to people. This is one of the things. We didn't want it to be a mocking show. Uh, we do try to listen to other people that have different perspectives. Um, and I think we do that successfully. And we also try to have a lot of fun uh, in the show. And we go all over the world. So we have a, you know episode on the, the, the myth of detoxing. We have an episode on cosmetic surgery, which we shot in Korea. We have an episode on sleep. We have an episode on supplements. Uh, so it was it was fantastic. Fantastic. We have you know we shot twelve episodes, two seasons. It's been shown in over sixty countries. It was on Netflix for a while, but Goop's show went up. Ours came off. You do the <laughs> math. Yeah, you do the math. I would say more than that. <laughs> I would I would think that they, that people would would want to watch a show like yours after watching Goop, or at least they should. <laughs> uh, I, I I that would be my thought also. Yeah. Do you ever hear from any of the participants? Uh, I'm thinking of the detox one, you know, the ones that you talk to who do these detox. Do they ever uh, call you up afterwards and say, hey, I didn't want to be portrayed this way? Or I, I thought we would. You know, uh, you work in the industry and sometimes people are angry. And we So we didn't have a single person. We only had one person. One person uh, out of all the shows that we shot um, that was not happy with how they were portrayed. And I was really surprised because I thought this person came across great. Uh, and I probably shouldn't say who she, who she was, <laughs> Fair but, <enough. laughs> but I thought she was really, really thoughtful. I thought she represented an, an intelligent and, and other people even complimented her on the representation of the other side. So you really never know how people are going to feel about, how, how they're represented. On the contrary, we got a lot of people saying, oh, we thought this was great. They, you know, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, But no, we, we haven't had that many people be angry about it. So that's good. Having said that, of course, we've got a ton of hate mail. You know, I get hate mail all the time. <laughs> people angry about how I portrayed areas. So these are, you know, viewers. Uh, but in general, the response has been really, really great. That's good to hear. Well, do you have any good health docs that you'd like to recommend people watch or food docs? Um, gosh, you know, I should have had that list ready to go. <laughs> anyway, oh, that's okay. <laughs> other, other than ours, you know, you know, nothing, nothing comes to mind. I mean, there's so many great documentaries out there. You know, that's an interesting thing that we, we haven't talked about is this is a wonderful time for documentaries and documentary series. And so I really hope that we see more and more science informed documentaries out there in this space. And, and, and it, it, for me, it's kind of heartbreaking that we don't have them because it seems like the time is right. Uh, there's interest uh, there. We live in this era of misinformation. You know, let's use documentaries to fight the good fight for science. This will be the last question. Uh, and then we can maybe wrap up. But you said that kind of at the beginning, and I think throughout this conversation, we talked about just about scientists needing to be better communicators. And Maybe in closing, is there anything you want to say about that? If there's uh, more that scientists need to do, you're obviously really good at it. So maybe they need to watch your show. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think 
I think scientists do, you know, scientific, let's say the scientific community, I think they need to embrace creative communication strategies. We need to get on social media. Look, social media is not going away. Celebrities aren't going away. Uh, we, the, the science community needs to become part of the public conversation. That's the way um, we are going to make sure that good science gets across. Um, we can't, we shouldn't shy away from it. Now, the good news is I think universities, governments, Research institutions are starting to recognize that. I've seen that shift over my career. So I think that's really good news. And I'm hopeful that it's going to get better in the future. That's great. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Tim. And uh, I just want to mention you have a book coming out this year, right? Relax, Damn It, A User's Guide to the Edge of Anxiety. Is there anything you want to say about that? Uh, I do. And and it actually touches on a lot of the fear-mongering aspect of what we've talked about and how fear is used to sell sell misinformation. And, And the gimmick is it takes place over... Uh, a day, a typical day. And so I, I sort of analyze all the decisions that we make all day long, from parking your car to getting up to how do you get to work to toilet seat up or toilet seat down. Uh, I look at all those decisions and and break down what the evidence actually says. Awesome. Thanks so much, Tim. Thanks a lot, Colin. And that's the podcast. My thanks to Timothy Caulfield for joining me today. You can catch another new episode of On Docs right now. Nan Kiwanuka from The Agenda in the Summer joins me to talk about the Netflix stock 13th and the wave of Black Lives Matter protests spreading across the world. Remember to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and better yet, tell a friend. This podcast was produced by Matthew Omar and me. Our production support coordinators are Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hallowell. Our series producer is Katie O'Connor and our executive producer for digital is Kathy Vay. We'll catch you at the next screening.